Welcome back. This is part two of Countering Hate Speech Through Education with Dr. Moni Wan Muhammad Noor. Do you think positive messages should include, and I know Malaysia um, has a big advantage, the upper hand in this sense, because I think we have a lot of positivity to 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 bring into the center of the discussion. Like we have we have our our diversity. I mean, I really like um, this one um, interaction online recently. Um, they were saying that, oh, do you know that all the Christmas decoration in the malls are, are, are now like taken down and now all the Chinese New Year um, uh, like decorations are now all up. And then I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm pessimistic in a way that I really thought that the discussion, that the replies would be something on, oh, like, you know, like we didn't Christmas is, is not a big thing. Like, you know, it just it, it was up there only for like a few weeks and now they're already jumping into the next celebration. But to my surprise, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but I think I'm always, I've always stumbled upon negativity online more than positivity. But the discussion was saying that, oh, that's, that's the richness of Malaysia, like after, after Chinese New Year in January, and then we're going to start with, um, I think Taipusam is next. And mm-hmm. then after Taipusam, we have Idol Fitri. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, I think we have a lot of advantage in that sense, right? A lot of things that we can... Um, promote in a way our food our right. our culture our yeah what else do you think we should promote in in that sense i like what you highlighted i totally agree that we have so much positive content that we can highlight unfortunately though mm-hmm. many of us choose not to highlight that most of us like to engage in the petty most of us like to engage and share what is hateful or offensive or negative and the media also know this very well, mm. which is why media narratives also emphasize on negative things. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's why they have clickbait headlines and things like that. And sometimes when you click on the headline, you read the article, many times it's not even related to the clickbait headline in the first place. But they do that because it generates more interest in reading the article. And they know this would actually attract the reader. Um, research that I've done um, indicates that not just in Malaysia but worldwide, humans tend to share what is considered novel uh, and that also includes something that's negative. Right. So if you were to see something positive that might um, not be shared as widely as something that is offensive, so that's something that's very sad, which is why I intentionally do not share the things that are negative. Mm not going to want to give it a bigger platform and a bigger audience than it deserves. True. So we should make an active step to highlight the beauty that we have in Malaysia, which there is so much. Right. Um, and when we allow the negativity to take over, even though generally in Malaysia, we are a peace loving country with little levels of violence motivated by race or religion. But when we talk about it over and over again, you know, when that's all that we share, um, in the end, it would seem that that is what is taking over our country. Whereas, for the most part, we are peace-loving, uh, you know, Malaysians who care about one another. Mm. And so I think it's really important when we come up with counter-speech initiatives to highlight this beauty that's being forgotten. That's why among the initiatives that I'm doing is to write a children's book 
incorporating anti-hate speech and anti-racism education. And in this book, I'm highlighting the diverse characters mm -hmm. from different racial and religious and ethnic groups. Um, we don't often see that even in books talking about diversity and inclusion from the Western stand standpoint. Yeah. In that book, I'm highlighting ethnicity specific to Southeast Asia. Right. Um, and we don't have that much representation of these ethnic and religious groups in popular media. Even, um, uh, you know, representation from uh, the ethnic groups of Sabah and Sarawak. Right. That's the thing that I'm trying to highlight. Um, and these are the kind of initiatives that we need to um, emphasize on and bring to the forefront in order to drown out the negativity. I think I, I really look forward to reading um, the book. Even though it's a children's book, I think I, I've, I think we as adults, like we have been so um, desensitized to some of the things that's happening around us. And I think sometimes we need to um, just take a step back and really just go to the basics of it all. Talking about books and all that, you are a strong advocate for an educational approach to countering hate speech. What do you mean by that? Um, where do you think education is in this e equation? Well, actually, I have a legal background, right? So I've been, all my degrees are in law. Mm -hmm. And my PhD research which was actually on the importance or, necess or necessity of having a specific law for hate speech. Right. So I do think law is important. Um, but when I talk about having specific law on hate speech, people tend to misunderstand. They're, they think that we don't need another law that would regulate speech even more. Mm. But the purpose of having a specific law on hate speech is so that only certain types of speech would be regulated when it meets the highest legal requirements. Right. This is not to penalize more people or to penalize expression even more, but it is actually to protect freedom of expression. So currently when we have um, vague definitions such as uh, what is seditious, is something that has a seditious tendency, what is seditious tendency, it is not explained. This is the problem because this ambiguity mm. would actually allow for so much to be included under the definition of seditious, right? So the purpose of having a specific hate speech law is to detail out um, clearly what amounts to hate speech, what does not amount to hate speech, what are the requirements that we need to meet before a person can be penalized for hate speech, and so on. This is to protect hate speech and to balance out um, the different competing rights such as freedom of expression and also the right to be protected against the harms of hate speech. That said, law is not the answer to everything. Mm. And the law only comes to play after the act has already been committed. It does not do much to prevent hate speech from happening. So the most effective way to prevent hate speech as cliche as it sounds, is through education. Right. And you know, when you're talking about the kids' book and um, the, the children's book, yes, it is meant for children, but it is actually also a method to educate parents who are reading to their children. Yeah. And my research also indicates that hate speech is also perpetuated within the home. What we say within the confines of our four walls, we don't realize it, or maybe we do realize it, it actually has elements of hate speech as well, which we are passing down to our children. And so it is my hope 
that through this children's book, not only will children be educated about the harms of hate speech and racism, but parents too. So when we talk about counter speech initiatives, it can't stop at that level. It needs to be a multi-stakeholder approach from the bottom up and top down, right? There needs to be an extensive collaboration between the government and uh, CSOs, with the people at the grassroots levels, with yeah. the community, because we can't work in silos anymore. It's not going to be effective. So there needs to be counter speech initiatives that is tailored for different levels of community so that it is suitable for the different backgrounds, age groups, and educational levels. Yeah. So a children's book is one initiative aiming or aimed towards um, people from a particular age group and demographic. But we should also come up with modules um, for the youth because the youth is the one that's um, using social media the most and social media as a platform in which we see hate speech the most, yeah. right? So we yes. need a particular module um, specifically for them. We also need a module for people within the corporate sector. This is something that is done internationally, you know, right. because even the corporate sector realize that this is some, this diversity, um, equality and inclusion training, cultural awareness training is very important for right. business because you don't want to isolate potential customers if you offend them based on racial, religious or national nationality type of um, rhetoric, right? right. Um, some companies suffer great losses because they have made blunders uh, when they have offended these fundamental identity factors. So there needs to be counter speech initiatives tailored for different levels of society made suitable um, for their particular demographic. I was thinking about the social media again, how mm -hmm. I think we, I wouldn't say fail to realize, but I think we take for granted the fact that uh, on social media, there is actually a global audience. And I think there is an opportunity for, you have mentioned something along the lines of cultural awareness training and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think we want Malaysians to be a global citizen in a way. Like we can also adapt to, I mean, we are familiar with our local surroundings and we know what is the norms. And but I think we have to have some kind of awareness that it's much larger than, than, than the Malaysian audience that we are familiar with. I do agree. Uh, if I could just add, sure. um, unfortunately, uh, even though we have been living together in peace and harmony mm. ever since we gained our independence. But um, there's still a lack of understanding uh, amongst us. And this lack of understanding is increasing uh, because of the polarizing narratives uh, that is being normalized within society and across major platforms. So this is driving a wedge between us, right? And the understanding and tolerance uh, that we have is slowly fading away bit by bit among certain quarters of our society. Um, so this is something that is really unfortunate and we need to address the situation before things get worse. And I like what you mentioned when you said that uh, perhaps um, certain youth on social media don't think about the big, bigger picture, that things are bigger than um, the society or the group 
or the chat room in which they are in. That is also one of the reasons why hate speech thrives on social media because people don't think in the long term, they don't consider what the consequences of their actions would be just because they feel like they have a sense of anonymity mm. when they're on social media, when they're in that chat room or when they're into a, you know, a particular encrypted telegram group, they think that they can say whatever that they want to say um, and do whatever that they want to do with no consequence. Right. And this is the things that we need to teach. Every single thing on the internet is recorded. There's always a way for other people to find out about it. There is always going to be a way that it could be leaked, for example. Yeah. So we really need to consider um, the things that we're putting out there, the content that we are creating. Is it for the good? Um, is it for the better? Mm. And if it's not, then is there a purpose to what we're posting? And so it is important for us to not only emphasize on um, freedom of speech, right? But we need to also emphasize the purpose in which we're exercising that freedom. Mm. So it's not just for the sake of saying whatever that we want to say. So if we can teach our people to consider the purpose in which we exercise speech, then I think all of these problems will slowly fix itself. Social media has not really been like a module um, at schools. It's just something that, uh, for example, um, younger generation, they are born into social media era, right? So I think some of the things is that we could uh, perhaps include, if you have nothing nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Um, and maybe this is something that we can extend into like, oh, is this useful? No. Um, is this going to hurt someone? Um, yes. Then if yeah. you don't, if you don't make it to the next stage or you don't have at least three three greens like you know the right. one that you have takes and then don't bother ever posting it on social media right i love that i uh and i totally agree with what you're saying um uh, i did mention that we do have some modules that talk about media information literacy but again um that's more focused on you know recognizing what is fake news which is also important but i think in terms of counter speech initiatives to address hate speech we're far behind mm. Um, and that is um, where the problem lies. Um, children as young as five years of age are on social media today, right? Um, kids that are seven years of age already have Instagram accounts, TikTok and whatnot. So it is really important to teach um, the ethics of communication on social media across the various age groups. Um, and this includes or must include an element of um, anti-hate speech education mm. because if we don't actively and intentionally teach this then they may even be engaging in it subconsciously some people might even be engaging in it without realizing that it is offensive inappropriate hateful and so on and maybe because they do not have um, uh, an understanding um, of the realities of people from other groups yeah. and it is our job to bring that awareness to them. So I think this is something that we all need to do and come together towards achieving. Social media, it's it's a never-ending topic. Like We can go on and on uh, about yeah. social media. Um, but that is all the time that we have today. And I, I really thank you for your um, for your insights on um, hate speech and the social media and all these initiatives that we could consider uh, in 
addressing hate speech in Malaysia. So thank you so much for the morning. Thank you so much for inviting me.